forever. Dog. Welcome to Relatively Healthy. I'm Janie Stoller, your host, and it is such an honor and a privilege to host this show and be able to provide a platform for people whose stories aren't told enough or heard enough. And last week, we talked with Kim Kalish, who so eloquently shared her story of abortion and what the experience was like for her and how the experience has affected her viewpoint. And I am so excited to bring on another person sharing a very different abortion experience and a very different story. Um, Molly Gaby, I have known for a really long time. She's always been outspoken. She's always been a feminist. She's always been out there. And she is someone who I've always associated with just being very vocal about her abortion and very excited to share uh, that it was the best decision she made. So I'm really excited to uh, bring her on the show. If you would like to share your abortion experience or a bit about uh, what that has looked like in your life, I'd like to open the floor to you. Um, I want to hear as many of these stories as possible and give you a platform if that's something that you're looking for. So if you want to, please reach out to us. You can email relativelyhealthypod at gmail.com. You can tweet or DM us at uh, 844-STOLARX, that's S-T-O-L-A-R-X, or leave us a voicemail, 1-800-WAIT, I'm sorry, I got our number wrong, 1-844-STOLARX. Look, I'm not perfect. Please welcome to the show, Molly Gaby. Molly, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, JD. Thank you so much for being here. And Molly, also context for all of our listeners, you and I went to college together, which is very special. I'm so glad we're now in this context as grown women. And we've we've made it. We did it. Oh, my God. Did we? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're so we're women. Um, so today's topic is something that I know you've been really amazingly vocal about and uh, just done such an incredible job not falling into the trap of the stigma with this topic. So today we are talking about abortion. And I know that that is something, a topic near and dear to your heart. So uh, let's just jump in. So you had an abortion. And I want to talk about that. What was the experience like? What was the experience of making the decision, getting one? Tell me everything. Sure. So I, at the time was I mean, I still am uh, working in the repro space. So I found out I was pregnant and I was like, wow, this is really on the nose for you, Molly. Um, <laughs> so uh, the good thing about working in the repro space when you get pregnant and need an abortion is they definitely let you have time off to go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was at the time in a very bad relationship that was sometimes abusive. Oh, uh, didn't matter. I was uh, never wanted to be a mother anyway. So the decision was pretty immediate for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had always known actually in the back of my head that if I ever got an abortion, there would be a silver lining, which is that I knew that I could get my IUD in at the same time, mm. which is really, cause you're already dilated. So they just st- stick that sucker in there and it's really great. Um, were you on birth control before? I was on and off. I had tried a bunch of different things. Um, and at the time that I got pregnant, I was definitely in between methods. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, so I ended up getting an IUD, um, during my abortion, but it was, you know, the the decision was 
100% immediate for me. There's no waffling back and forth. Uh, I know it's different for a lot of people, but I just never really wanted to be a mom. That, that never was something that um, I always thought it might come to me. Um, like, when is that biological clock, like womanhood thing going to just hit me? Because they sort of uh, wrongly teach us that that's a thing that's always going to happen to people. Yeah. Never t- <laughs> I'm still waiting for that. I'm still waiting to like kids. Like one day I just want to look at one and want one. But right now I'm like, ah, eh, seems like a lot of work. Yeah, we may be waiting a long time. But, you know, <laughs> it's true. So, so where did you go to get one? I went to Planned Parenthood in Manhattan, uh, the Margaret Sanger Center on Bleecker Street. Big ups. Yes. I love them so much. They're the best. Uh, oh, my God. I love them. So, yeah, I went there and it was a great experience. I actually it was funny for me, actually, because I had been um, dueling at Planned Parenthood for years before this. So when I got there, it was kind of like, I knew everybody there already. And I was like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm just here. I'm here for the abortion today. I'm on the other side of the table. Yeah. <laughs> Did um, you have to wait? Is this, is that one of the centers where they make you do like a mandatory waiting period? No, no. So that New York does not have a mandatory waiting period. Um, I was actually kind of shocked when I met, I always knew that, but when I made the phone call to get an abortion, they were like, yeah, just come in and then day of we'll do it. And I was like, oh, it's like, oh, it's so nice. Wow. (laughs) And so you, we'll talk about this a bit later, but this is also something I'm getting involved in is being an abortion doula. So for people who don't know, what is that? So, um, a doula by itself is just sort of a support person. So it's most traditionally known, um, in childbirth. When you hear the word doula, I think a lot of people think of that, but it's, um, really a full spectrum term. You can be a doula, uh, for miscarriages, stillbirths, abortions, uh, births, uh, adoptions, the whole, it runs the whole gamut. So I started, um, doing the abortion doula thing probably like eight years ago now, Um, and it's been one of the most incredible, um, grounding and, uh, experiences of my life. Uh, so basically what we do is you're with the person who's getting the abortion, uh, before, during, and after the procedure and you are their support person, a hand to hold. Honestly, a lot of it, uh, especially for earlier term abortions is like distracting conversation, Mm -hmm. sort of like Mm -hmm. you do. Uh, you know how like dentists try to just talk to you uh, during the whole thing so you don't you can't respond and then it's just over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of like that. Um, and something that I think is interesting about that is like you so you got trained to do that. You don't have to have any medical background. And in fact, what I've what I've learned through researching this is that they want people who aren't the doctor or the nurse practitioner or the physician's assistant in the room doing that because otherwise it takes them away from the work they're doing if they have to stop and like, you know, be the person to hold the hand. So they love it when it's people who are able to provide distracting conversation and just like a warm, nice person to be with. So that that's really, I think it's a really interesting way to view and be involved in uh, reproductive rights. Um, so how did the experience compare from being on the doula side to receiving one? Is it what you expected from having been there for so many abortions? I, yeah, I guess cause I knew the procedure. I, I knew every part of it, you know, I've been there for hundreds of them, but when it's, when it's you, you know, it's, 
I definitely was nervous about the pain factor. I'm not someone I think who deals with pain very well. <laughs> so that kind of in the two weeks between when I made my appointment and when I got there, I definitely that was I think that's for a lot of people. That's the number one thing in their mind. Honestly, as a doula, that's the number one question I get. Is it going to hurt? Mm-hmm. Is it going to hurt? Um, and the answer I always give everyone, which I knew in my head and I had to keep telling myself was it's different for everybody. It's totally different for everybody. And honestly, uh, they used to do the majority of them without any IV medication. It would just be local. Um, so now we do a lot more, um, uh, medication through the IV, which helps a lot with nerves. Mm-hmm. So it's honestly, I knew that and I knew it wasn't going to be bad. And, um, but it's still, when it's you, <laughs> you're still fucking nervous. Yeah. So how much did it hurt? It, uh, for me, it didn't at all. Wow. Um, I was really comfortable in the room cause I walked in and it was one of my favorite fucking doctors I work with of all time. Uh, she made me feel super comfortable immediately. She knew I was nervous. She could tell cause I was talking fast. I was trying to like be cool and just talk about other things. She's like, you know, this is your time. <laughs> You're allowed to be nervous. And how uh, long? So then you got, well, I mean, getting an IUD in is really painful. So that's probably, I'd imagine that was much worse than the abortion sounds like. Well, it's not. So when you get an abortion, you're already dilated. So the first part of getting an IUD is dilating it, uh, dilating your cervix to get it in there. So when you have an abortion, it's already way more dilated than an IUD needs uh, to get in there. So no one ever feels it. Oh, my God. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. So anybody who needs an abortion, just know, you know, if you need an IUD too, it, you won't feel it at all. That's a, that's <laughs> really, truly a great piece of advice. I know a lot of people are also scared to get IUDs because they hurt. So you know what? Just do it all in one fell swoop. <laughs> I love it. And then how long did you have to rest afterwards? I, I really, honestly, I really milked it as long as possible. <laughs> Uh, I made my partner take care of me for three days. I was honestly fine right after that. Um, uh, the recovery time is pretty fast. You, we tell patients, you know, there's a lot of patients who actually have to go to work that night or that day. You know, people have their fucking lives to live and we just tell them they can do anything just like no heavy lifting and no drinking. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So when, what, after this, you decided to be vocal about it and celebrate it. And I want to know a little bit about how people in your life responded. Were there, did you get a lot of support? Was there any sort of resistance or how did people take it? Yeah, I got tons of support. It was really, really nice. I had told sort of a couple people randomly here and there beforehand. And most people had been supportive. I got a little a couple, um, like, oh, you're um, excited about it? Uh, reactions from friends when uh, I told them I was going to get one. Because you're damn right I was excited to get one. I did not want to be tied <laughs> in any way to the person I was in a relationship with. Um, but afterwards, so what happened was I was I just really wanted this to be like a personal private thing. Uh, just to process what it meant for me. Especially because I'm a comedian and a repro rights activist. A lot of what I do is just like out loud immediately. So I purposely for this wanted to sit on the experience for a while and just think about what it meant to me. Mm-hmm. So five months after I got the abortion, I had this shirt that said, everyone knows I had an abortion. So I put it on 
And I got myself a little cupcake and I took a picture that was just like celebrating my five month anniversary of my abortion and I put it on Instagram. And that was like my first little, you know, example of how I wanted to express joy around the experience and to, to show other people that this was something I was proud of. And I got a lot of response and I was super happy about that. And so I kept doing it every month, doing a little like celebration thing for me um, in a different way until the culmination of a year. And then I did a giant blowout show for my abortion. (laughs) That's incredible. So many people, I think, based on how they grew up or what they've been told either through, you know, faith or family or just society are so ashamed or feel like they should be ashamed of it. And if that is not your inclination, then you're giving so much power to the experience and reshaping it. I know. um, Have you read Gloria Steinem's book on the road? I haven't yet. It's so good. She dedicates the book to the doctor who gave her and who performed an abortion for her because she says it frees, it freed up her entire life. Like it is the reason why she is who she is. And, uh, it really struck me because I think people like you and her obviously are allowing other women to say, I had an abortion and you know what, I'm not ashamed of it. And I think there's so much shame and secrecy and fear of speaking out about it. Um, even though so many, so many women have had it. Yeah. It's crazy how good the right wing extremists have been at hijacking the narrative so much so that even activists, you know, feel that internalized shame. Yeah. I mean, everybody feels it. They're so good at what they do. So it's so, I'm really into storytelling now through my repro work. It's just on the smallest grassroots level. The most revolutionary thing that people can do is tell their own stories, yes. you know, be yes. seen and um, tell it honestly. And a lot of the stories out there about abortion are actually revolve around joy and relief and happiness. And I'm, I'm really excited to see more of those narratives come out. Um, and, you know, we're allowed to smile and we're allowed to laugh around abortion. You know, everyone is has such an icky feeling around the word um, that to me making jokes and telling my personal story is like revolutionary. And it's a really cool feeling just being one single person, you know? Yeah, totally. And like you just said, there are these huge machines at work to keep people from feeling like the only one who associates it with freedom and joy and, you know, liberty. And it just is being totally co-opted by like having to placate people who don't even understand what it's like. I mean, the people leading the conversation are the least qualified and leading the policy are the least qualified. Um, And not to mention, oh, sorry, go on. Oh, no, I was just, that may reminded me of, it's just crazy to me still how how much people say the word pro-life. Yes, yes. Um, it's, it's, they're not pro-life, they're pro-forced birth. And even <laughs> in the repro space, we're, we're just, I even say it sometimes, I know I have to drill it out of my head. It's, that's the machine working and it's working well. And it creates this false narrative that there's one side that's for life and the other side is for abortion when it's very not. It, oh my God, I know. We could get into it. It's like yeah. the main thing that bothers me most about pro-life is that a lot of the people who are Pro-life are also pro-gun right expansion, like pro, you know, (laughs) killing Mm -hmm. people. So, um, yeah, so that's a whole other topic. But I think if you're also 
pro-life, you should be thinking about the life you're actually creating. And if it's a mother having a child against her will, I don't think that's exactly pro-life. <laughs> um, and so now when you look back on that, I mean, do you ever look back and be like, oh, my God, I could be the mother to an X year old? Like, do you think about it that way? A hundred percent. I'm like, my child would be two years old. Crazy. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, just in terms of how grateful I am that I had access to abortion, that, that I had support, that I had money, that I lived in a state where it was all possible for me to get that. Because honestly, it's so it's basically impossible for people in the middle of the country. Like Missouri is now down to one fucking abortion clinic. So a lot of women there have to drive 400 miles, making it just completely inaccessible. If I I, I'm so grateful that I live in the state that I do and I, I, you know, the way I was brought up and I don't have a lot of, not anymore, Christian influence in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that shame cycle wasn't there for me. I'm yeah, I definitely think about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, there's sta- like you just talked about, there's huge chunks of this country where, you know, three states have one Planned Parenthood and not only is it extremely cost prohibitive to take off time and travel, or maybe you can't even do it. You don't even have access to do that. But some of these states have required waiting periods. So the amount of burden put on the person who's seeking out the procedure are truly, they just stand in the way. So when people are like, eh, Roe v. Wade could be overturned, it doesn't affect me. It affects so many people that uh, state by state, it would really hurt a ton of women. And even if it doesn't affect you and you're lucky to be in New York or L.A. or wherever, I mean, there's huge chunks of this country where people are totally going to be screwed over. Yeah. And we're not even that safe in New York. You know, Mm -hmm. we think we're this liberal bubble here, but our our laws are actually pretty archaic and need an overhaul completely. Yeah. We're we're all in this one together. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Unfortunately. Oh, God. Um, So. You also, you work with Lady Parts Justice. So uh, if listeners don't know, what does that organization do? So Lady Parts Justice um, is a group of comedians, artists, musicians that use comedy to expose anti-choice douchebags um, who are making the laws around our uteruses. Um, So that looks like a lot of things. We do a lot of online campaigns. We just try to be very loud and vocal um, about who these people are in each state so that people start paying attention to uh, the down ballot races. And then we also do a lot of um, activism around independent uh, abortion clinics. So there's, you know, the big Planned Parenthood that everyone knows about. And then there's uh, independent clinics that do actually about 70% of the abortions in the U.S. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Oh, yeah. They, they serve a huge swath um, of the U.S. population, and they, they're there for people in rural areas. They're these fucking incredible, like, you know, like indie pop, you know, kind of places that they're the underdogs, and we do a lot of support for them. We, are, we do a tour called the Vagical Mystery Tour, where we go all across America uh, crisscrossing states and cities that are hardest hit by reproductive rights. And we'll do a show 
And for example, in a place like Wichita, Kansas, where uh, uh, Dr. George Tiller was killed, he still has a clinic there. And we'll go do a show and we'll bring on the abortion providers afterwards and have like a talk back with the audience about what they can do to support the independent abortion clinic in their community. That's amazing. I feel like uh, lately it has felt like there's no major organizing bodies talking about abortion, because even for Planned Parenthood, I know they have to be very careful about how much they talk about abortion because of the immediate backlash they get. And so to have an organization that puts that at the forefront and isn't shy about talking about it is really an amazing, amazing thing that's necessary. Um, So if, if, yeah, if listeners are uh, interested in either getting involved in Lady Parts Justice, I don't know if that's possible, but what would you recommend through your work and your experience if someone wants to do something today to help preserve and expand reproductive rights? There is so much you can do. Definitely get involved in Lady Parts Justice. Um, We have a huge show coming up in New York on October 20th called The Golden Probes, where um, we give awards to uh, the biggest achievements in sexism that year. And we out a lot of these crazy extremist politicians um, right before um, voting week comes up so people know what's going on in their states. Um, But another huge piece of what people can do is there's things called uh, crisis pregnancy centers. uh, And they're everywhere in the U.S. So wherever you're from, wherever you live, I promise you, you can find one of these uh, terrible places. So we have a website called exposedfakeclinics.com and you can go there and look at a map and you can find these places. So what they are, they're like fake clinics, basically. I don't know if you've heard of them there. And they lure pregnant people in to get them to come inside. And they're often run by Christian organizations. And then they lie to pregnant people to, um, about how far along they are to try to get them to continue with the pregnancy. And then they, they just abandon them. They're, they're just basically people who are forcing vulnerable people to continue with their pregnancies. And a lot of times these women are confused and think they're going to an appointment at the local abortion clinic, but they're not because they were fooled by the, these places have like the same names as abortion clinics like women's choice and we do abortions i don't know how that is allowed i mean those that is so disgusting and predatory and like you said they just give false information like of course if you went in there it's sort of scientology style like sure i'll buy what you're telling me this sounds if uh, getting an abortion and they, they lie about you know how big the fetus is or whatever and they just get away with it. And then people, of course, feel horrible and, of course, are confused. It's just really, really disgusting predatory behavior. I don't know how it's allowed. You know why they allow it? They just Mm -hmm. ruled on the Supreme Court this year is because they're not real clinics. Mm -hmm. They're not regulated. So they're allowed to apparently say whatever they want. Isn't that so fucked up? That's so fucked up. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Straight from the Supreme Court. Yeah. And so, yeah. The website, people can go to the website and um, find a local crisis pregnancy center, call them, ask if they provide abortions um, or refer for abortions. They will say no. And then you can review them online so that people know when they're Googling these places that they're actually fake clinics and not real clinics. Great. I love that. 
And I guess, you know, just in general, if someone listening uh, is in the event of needing an abortion or considering it, do you have any advice for them um, while making that decision? Yeah. um, Don't panic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You will be fine. Abortion is uh, contrary to what a lot um, is uh, a lot of people would like you to think it's an extremely simple procedure the surgical procedure is so simple there's three little parts and uh, medication abortion is two little pills um that's really simple as well people would like to think um have you think that it's much riskier than it is it's actually safer than taking a tylenol so your options you have tons of options depending on where you live it's super safe don't worry um And then depending on what state you live in, definitely reach out to the local Planned Parenthood or independent clinic. And there's, if money is an issue for you, there's um, abortion funds that can help out. Um, Nationalnetworkofabortionfunds.com, I believe, is the website to go for there. Um, And you can reach out to me. I'll fly to you and be your doula. (laughs) Oh, my God. Can you imagine just like doula at the ready, just flying around in your private jet wherever people need you? Honestly, if I was a state-funded doula, we would all be okay. Okay, now we're talking. This is something. I love this. (laughs) Um, And if people want to reach out to you or find more about your story, where would you point them to on the internet? You know what? I have a website. I believe it's (laughs) mollygaby.net. Oh, .net. She, she, she. Yeah. yeah. Just so people really remember. Um, (laughs) Honestly, you can email me. (laughs) Great. Uh, Twitter, at mollygaby. Truly, I'm here for you, whatever you need. And, you know, there's a network of, you know, of people all over the U.S. who are especially now willing and able to come and support you and help you in any way possible. I mean, people are fired up and I know we're living in a garbage fire, but it's really inspiring to see everyone get on board. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. This is not the end. This is not even close to the end. We're just starting to fight. So it's a great time to get involved. And Molly, got to say, thank you so much for leading the way. I mean... You've been in on this abortion thing for, like, way longer than a lot of us. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Who would have known that it would blow up this much, though? I know. know? It's very in right now. Um, But seriously, thank you so much for all the work you do. I'm sure listeners and anyone who uh, has encountered your work and and the way you uh, tell your story is really inspired and you're doing such awesome stuff. So we all thank you. Danny, you're too nice. No, I'm not. (laughs) Thanks for being on. (laughs) Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.